Greetings, and welcome to another edition of the You Shall Know That I Am Yahweh, an Ezekiel podcast. I'm Ethan. Very glad that you've joined us today and have to make this uh, message at the outset. Uh, we are entering Ezekiel chapter 16 today. The message of Ezekiel chapter 16 would certainly be branded as not suitable for work and among many people not suitable to be heard. This is going to be a conversation involving mature content based upon what Ezekiel has to say in this passage. We begin in chapter 16 and verse 1. Again the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord Yahweh to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of Canaanites, your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, Live! I said to you in your blood, Live! I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed, and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord Yahweh, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water, and washed off your blood from you, and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth, and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen, and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments, and put bracelets on your wrists, and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose, and earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen, and silk, and embroidered cloth. You are fine flour, and you ate fine flour and honey and oil. Excuse me. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty, and your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed upon you, declares the Lord Yahweh. So, Ezekiel has is providing these messages around 592 to 591. The last timestamp we got was in chapter eight. The next one will be in chapter 20. So those are our, 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 our different anchors. We have these series of messages. In chapters 8 through 11, Ezekiel saw a vision of Jerusalem and the judgments that were going to come upon her based upon the abominations being done in her and the vision of the glory of Yahweh departing from the temple. Chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15... We have seen various episodes about what would happen to the king, the uh, false prophets, and what would come upon the false prophets, the elders and their idolatry, the severity of the judgment coming up, and most recently, the comparison of Jerusalem with a grapevine once it's no longer produced fruit and it's only good to be burned. And so now we have an extended illustration that goes throughout this passage, where Ezekiel is speaking a word to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is now being envisioned in terms of a woman. And 
we are told so far that this woman, this woman in Jerusalem, was born from a Canaanite background, basically an Amorite father and a Hittite mother. And so he's going back to the beginning of what we call Jerusalem, uh, that it was an Amorite and Hittite city among the Canaanites. And that's where it got started. But the city here is an abortion, as we would call it. Uh, today, when we talk about abortion, we normally talk about a termination of a life in the womb. Um, in ancient times, what would generally happen if there was an unwanted child is that the child would be born and then exposed. And that's exactly what we see here. That the day that Jerusalem was born here, this woman, the cord wasn't cut. They weren't rubbed with salt or washed, wrapped. No care or provision was given to there. She was just left out to die on the open road. And when Yahweh came by, he saw her as one wriggling in her blood. Uh, basically just like plopped out of the uterus and just left there. And he cried out that she should live. And God made this city flourish. And it flourished. And yet it was still naked and exposed once it had reached its maturity. And then in verses 8 through 14, God describes how he had come and saw that she was ready for love, and so he entered into a covenant with her. Um, that illustration used so frequently of husband, wife, God and his people, and here God in Jerusalem. And the one thing to notice about all of the things that are described here, uh, trying to find one-to-one -one equivalents with what might be the, the cleaning and then this cloth and everything else and the food, is to realize that God provided for Jerusalem all the blessings Jerusalem enjoyed. That there is no intrinsic beauty to Jerusalem or the people of God. That the Jerusalem or people of God in it uh, have the beauty that God has given them. That everything that they have that makes them beautiful, that makes them uh, enjoy the good life, have come from God. And everybody knew around all the nations about the glory and beauty of Jerusalem. And that it was perfect because of the splendor that God had bestowed upon it. And so now Ezekiel continues now with the indictment in verse 15. But you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines and on them played the whore. The like has never been, nor ever shall be. You also took your beautiful jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself images of men, and with them played the whore. And you took your embroidered garments to cover them, and set my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey. You set before them for a pleasing aroma, and so it was, declares the Lord Yahweh. And you took your sons and your daughters, whom you had borne to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? And in all your abominations and your whorings you did not remember the days of your youth, when you were naked and bare, wallowing in your blood. So we have this very shocking indictment that this beautiful Jerusalem played the whore, proved unfaithful. 
we are shocked by the imagery and the very perversity of the uh, imagery. And it is very much vulgar terminology here. Um, that, they, that we're looking at this woman as offering her sexual favors to those who passed by that everybody could enjoy uh, their beauty. And um, this, I, this, this constant sexual immorality uh, is being descri described in very explicit detail. Now, as tempting as it is to try to find some concepts of sexual morality in the situation uh, in a concrete way, we need to make sure that we remember this is all metaphorical. That when we're talking about sexual morality here, uh, it is an illustration describing idolatry. And it's very similar to what is going on in the first three chapters of Hosea as well. Uh, because you see very much here, all these things that God has given them, they now use in dedication to other gods. The, the whoredom here the, the, is the fact that any divinity that came by, anybody professing some god, you would have its service put up here in Jerusalem. And that's what's really galling about this idolatry, is that what's going on is all these things that God has given to bestow upon Jerusalem, to glorify Jerusalem and his people, are now being offered to these other gods as if they have come from these other gods. I mean, again, why do you offer sacrifices to a god? Well, the sacrifice you're offering to a god is you're trying to appease that god's wrath. You're trying to offer thank offerings to that god for whatever you are imagining that god has given to you. And, of course, that's why it's such a scandal, because, in fact, all of these things have come from Yahweh, and now they're being lavished on these other gods. And there's an intensifier that these garments that, you, that God gave them, then, you know, well, you set oil and incense before them, you know, and then the sons and daughters which you bore to me. So again, this is where the we see that Jerusalem has people in it. Those people have children. Those children become sons and daughters of the covenant promise. Uh, that's how they become sons and daughters of Yahweh by extension. But they sacrifice to be devoured to these gods, mostly looking here at probably the Molech, uh, Moloch, Malk, God, that we see very prevalent in the ancient Near Eastern world, uh, in the Canaanite religions. Uh, we see evidences even in, in the world of the Carthaginians, uh, who had come from the Phoenicians, uh, where there are offerings of, of child sacrifice uh, to these gods. And so they're making sacrifices to these gods, which really are not gods, and now they're offering the children, who are the children of covenant blessings, the covenant promise, uh, are being killed to these gods. So it's like a double horror, a double shocking thing. And we find it horrifying and shocking, but they just took it as, well, that's just what they were doing. That's what these gods demanded. This is, this is their normal. This is one of the things that we see here, is, is, is that one generation's normal becomes the horror to another generation. And that's where one of the things as Christians we do need to be very careful about is what have we accepted as normal, which we should find horrifying. Um, because this child sacrifice was clearly normalized in Israel. And it should not have been. And right now he comes back to, you did all these things in your abominations in this whoring, you forgot 
the days of your youth. You did not remember when you were wallowing in your blood. That if Yahweh had not provided any concern at all for Jerusalem, it would just be exposed and dead. That everything that it is and can enjoy has come from Yahweh. And believe it or not, in this story, as vulgar as it's already been, it just gets worse. In verse 23, And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord Yahweh. You built yourself a vaulted chamber and made yourself a lofty place in every square. At the head of every street you built your lofty place and made your beauty an abomination, offering yourself to any passerby and multiplying your whoring. You also played the whore with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your whoring to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I stretched out my hand against you and diminished your allotted portion and delivered you to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. You played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them and still you were not satisfied. You multiplied your whoring also with the trading land of Chaldea and even with this you were not satisfied. How lovesick is your heart, declares the Lord Yahweh, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street and making your lofty place in every square. Yet you are not like a prostitute, because you scorn payment. Adulterous wife, who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from other women in your whorings. No one solicited you to play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore, you were different. So, you thought it couldn't get worse. Now it gets not only worse, but purely vulgar and ribald. Uh, so he says, after all these wickednesses, you built a vaulted chamber, you made yourself a lofty place in the squares, and you, you know, offering yourself is really, you spread your legs open. You opened wide your genitals to everybody who passed by and thus multiplied your whoring. You also played the whore of the Egyptians. Uh, your lustful neighbors in the English Standard Version, this is where the American Standard Version is much more literal according to the Hebrew, great of flesh. Which definitely gives off the idea of that they are they have big penises, and therefore they lusted for them, and uh, they multiplied this ang this whoredom and and made God angry, uh, and then they played the whore with the Assyrians and then with the Chaldeans, and and then you can just hear this 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 spiteful castigation. You were like a whole praising prostitute, but, but yet you're worse than a prostitute. See, prostitutes do what they do to get paid. They're nobody put in that position to get paid. You are an adulterous wife. You went out and you paid to have this kind of thing going on. Normally, you know... Uh, women are solicited for prostitution and get paid. You went after this and you paid to do it. That's how you're different. So you're worse than a whore. You're an adulterous wife. You, again, vulgar. Shockingly vulgar. 
where your English translations are covering for just how vulgar Ezekiel is. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But we have a little bit of a shift here. So the wickedness we've talked about earlier is idolatry. Now that we start bringing in Egyptians and and the Philistines who are ashamed, by the way, the fact that the Philistines are ashamed of their behavior. Remember, who are the Philistines? The Philistines are the uncircumcised barbarians. They are the, you know... Remnants of the Greek Sea Peoples who came in and were who absorbed Canaanite customs, but were uncircumcised and were the great oppressors. Um, so everybody in, in in Israel, you know, well, were at least morally superior to the Philistines. And here the the Philistines are going like, ugh, based upon the immorality of of Israel. This kind of of whoredom is not exactly the same as before. There are contexts and connections. I mean. Ezekiel in chapter 20 is going to talk about how the idols of the Egyptians were never out of their hearts. He's going to talk about, um, you, know, you get back in 2 Kings, you see how Ahaz models a new altar based upon what the Assyrians are doing. So certainly there's certain idolatry play, coming in play here. But the idolatry here is the foreign policy, the trusting in alliances. So the exposing oneself for the Egyptians and then the, and then the Assyrians and then the Chaldeans. Uh, are these ways of making these foreign policy alliances and agreements to try to preserve oneself. And sure, that's going to lead to some actual idolatry going on, but it also is fundamentally a betrayal of God in whom they should have put their trust, uh, not all these foreign nations. And so we get to this very difficult thing, which is why. Uh, this is the chapter of the scriptures which you'll never hear preached in church and which even reading it might get you in trouble uh, among many. Um, that's part of our, our, our very puritanical ways in a lot of ways uh, where we have kind of imbibed the uh, rules of decency uh, in a polite society, quote-unquote, that goes well beyond what we would expect to see here. But Ezekiel is being very shocking, very vulgar in his language, but for a reason. And the reason is he is trying to shock. He's trying to shock the Israelites out of their complicity, complacency. Excuse me. He wants them to be mad. He wants them to get mad at this story. Because again, what makes this metaphor work is the desire to see a daughter, a woman as pure. And everything mentioned here are the, defile, uh, the defiling, depraved things that um, just aren't, to be heard or seen among women of respectability uh, then as now, uh, even in our uh, much more sexually open age. And so to talk about it in this way and to talk about Jerusalem as a woman doing such profligately uh, immoral things is to shock. And you get a note of anger here, but we should understand the anger primarily in terms of pain where Yahweh here is the jilted husband. You can hear that especially in that last section about the fact that she is actually more like a whore, worse than a whore, but an adulterous woman who actually pays these things. Because again, what are they paying? Israel, you know, these Israelites are paying to do this idolatry and to maintain this foreign policy with the blessings Yahweh has given them that he would have them dedicate back to him. And you can hear the pain, you can hear the bitterness of this experience laid out in this very sh shockingly vulgar way in, a, in a, an attempt to 
shock and shame Israel out of their complacency of the idolatry and all the things that they've taken for normal, for normal, and as just the way things are, and to see the terrible uh, consequences that are going to come if they do not change their ways. Um, we are only halfway through this section, and so uh, we look forward to coming again next time to consider more of what Ezekiel has to say in this very interesting part of his message. But we hope the God will guide, direct, and bless your ways until we're able to meet again. Thank you.